Hello me bands, how are we all doing this week? You are listening to episode 4 of my podcast, Reese on Record. I'm Reese, and it is so nice to speak to you again. My god, it has got cold all of a sudden. Winter has like well and truly set in out of nowhere, hasn't it? I can't believe that it's dark before five now. And I know once you get this time of year, that's like all anyone ever talks about. But genuinely, it felt like one day it was autumn and the next day it was winter. And the sun was just set at ridiculously early times. I'm not really someone who gets like seasonal depression per se but I do definitely struggle with productivity when it's this kind of weather I don't even mind the cold like I don't mind getting out of bed when it's cold I don't mind going out when it's cold I actually quite like the cold but I hate the rain I hate when you get like the sludgy foggy muddy season and going out in the rain I just it makes us lose all sense of anything that I want to do I don't want to leave the house I don't want to go anywhere but yeah it's just gone super cold all of a sudden and because of that, um, Lee's student video do have the heating on in the union now and the radiator behind me is making an ungodly amount of noise. So if you can hear that, I am very sorry, but there is quite literally no way for me to turn it off. It's doing my head in, so fingers crossed we can just sort of become accustomed to the background noise and zone out. Or hopefully you can't even hear it, but if you can, I apologise. Speaking of annoying noises, it was bonfire night at the weekend, wasn't it? And, you know, I like fireworks, I like going to watch them, but after, like, an hour, I just think, right, I get it now. (laughs) You don't have to keep going all night. And living right next to Hyde Park, like, literally for the past week, every night for hours and hours and hours, it's just bang, 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 bang. And it's not that it's, like loud or anything it's not even that loud but like i can hear it in my room with the window shut it's not quiet but it's not that i don't like the loud noise or anything it's just so repetitive and it's so irritating and i've actually lost count of the amount of times where i've had my headphones on or i've had music on or i've been talking and i like have to stop and listen because i think that someone's like bloody fell over or something but they haven't it's just stupid fireworks going off but I did go down to Golden Beam on Friday night and sat in front of the glass window and me and my friends could watch the fireworks out there. And from my living room, you really can't complain. Like, it's a lovely view and you do get to see all of the shows for free from the comfort and warmth of my own home. It's been a really busy week for me, actually. Last Thursday, I went to go see Kendrick Lamar at the arena and that was absolutely fab i must say i've never actually been to the leeds arena it was my first time at the first direct i've been to gigs in leeds but it's all been like at the o2 or places like that i've never been to a big one but yeah i had standing tickets and to be honest i didn't even get there that early like i didn't queue outside of anything i obviously had to queue to get through like the security but i didn't queue before the doors opened i went to stick or twist <laughs> and had a pint and then when we got in I was still relatively near the front because I don't know about, I don't know whether this is just Leeds Arena or whether it's like multiple arenas, but definitely compared to the Utilita, which is the Newcastle Arena, the standing area in Leeds is really small. So even though I didn't queue, I was pretty close as soon as I went in really, but I was more like in the middle. So the way that Kendrick had the stage set up was he had obviously just the regular stage, which is like, you know, parallel to the crowd Uh, but then he also had like a walkway that came through the middle of the standing area like a thin bit in the middle and I was like on the left hand side of the 
bit that jaunted out and like really submerged in the crowd and it was a good view i was happy with that but then sort of as it started and as the support came on i just was like oh no this is not going well and that was because the support for kendrick was baby keem who i think he's cousin i don't know i'm not super clued up but i'm pretty sure it's his cousin and baby keem is more trap than rap and it's very like he's not like playboy Carter, but it's that kind of music where it's like really raged and it gets all of the boys amped up and as soon as baby keem came out of support the crowd was just absolutely mental and like i've been to my fair share of concerts i'm not like oh my god don't touch me but like i was being ransacked around and i'm five or two i couldn't say anything i was getting absolutely trampled on these men had no <laughs> no care in the world did not care if i lived or died so i was with one my boyfriend and i just went look i'm gonna have to try and get somewhere a bit more stable like i don't care if people are still pushing us because that's gonna happen anyway but i need to get somewhere where i'm sort of not enclosed on all sides of my body i don't mind if there's like someone to either side and someone behind or someone in front someone either side or whatever but like i literally could not move could not breathe arms were stapled to my sides so we sort of went through the flow of the crowd and managed to push away to like the barrier to the bit that was sticking out so we were technically further back but we were more into the middle and we were right in front literally right at the barrier of where the jaunt out bit came i don't know if that makes any sense but anyway enjoy the rest of baby came set um he went away and then this the sound tech guys started setting up for kendrick's set and they came out with a mic stand and they literally placed it right in front of where i was stood and i was like i looked at it and i was like have we just secured the bag here and he was like i think we'll have you know kendrick comes out and he literally spends 99 percent of the concert on the bit of the stage that comes out into the middle and he was literally directly in front of us it was insane so the pictures that i got i could literally reach out and touch the man it was crazy and it was just such a vibe i really like kendrick's music i'm not the biggest rap fan ever but i do like rap and i really like kendrick and it was such a good concert i had a great time but i couldn't help thinking like obviously kendrick's american and this is a uk tour duh and i just wonder whether he likes the uk or like understands what's going on and that sounds stupid but genuinely the man looked sick of his life at points because during like breaks in songs he's very dramatic kendrick he likes to sort of stand there and look around and look mysterious and edgy it's kind of like the vibe of his new album so he was trying to do that and then all of the people in the crowd in leeds start going oh kendrick lamar oh kendrick lamar and it was just it was hilarious but i was just stood there thinking this man is sick of us he just wants to sing his little song and leave he doesn't you could see on his face he was like what and then the show is very like aesthetic heavy and he's got a lot of like little visual bits that he does and one of them is there's sort of like a clear box that comes down and comes on top of him and it's supposed to represent like covid and being in isolation and he's in this like transparent box and he, he pretends to do a covid test and i seen a clip from the same show in birmingham where they started singing kendrick's in a box in a box kendrick's in a box and i just thought that is like peak british culture and i just i would love to know what he was thinking at the time 
but it was a fab night i really did enjoy it and that was on thursday and then i just you know i was at work i had stuff to do i was pottering about and then on sunday i actually went to the indoor balls stadium in leeds which sounds really random and is really random i had never been and i went there because they were hosting the great yorkshire vegan festival and for one of my modules this term i've got to make a tv package and the sort of story that I'm going for is sort of what I was discussing on the very first episode of this podcast where is being vegan sustainable in the cost of living crisis is it something that's achievable for students or people on a low-income budget so I went to the festival I had filming permission and everything to just sort of get some shots get some good footage and hopefully get a few interviews as well my lovely friend Molly came with me who was one of my housemates and she was a great help with setting up the shots talking to people like just generally being there to support and we had a really nice time actually there were some really cool stalls and i love when you go to stuff like that because they always have tasters so the thing that me and molly were most fussed about was the cheese tasters because i love cheese anyway and so does she and i was really curious as to whether they had any really nice vegan cheese and there was one stall oh it was honestly unreal a thing with a lot of vegan cheese is that it's quite like crumbly i don't know what it is about regular cheese that makes it sort of creamy and very cohesive i don't know whether it's one of the dairy products or something but that that is something that a lot of vegan cheese lacks but there was this one stall that we got taste us from and it was just gorgeous it was honestly one of the nicest cheeses i've ever had and they had so many different flavors and it was really like smoky and oh it was just so nice but in fitting with the story it was so expensive it was literally six pound for like this tiny little wheel that was like no bigger than i'd say like a regular camembert that you'd get from a supermarket it was about that size and it was six pound and i just think yes it's gorgeous and it would be great for like a little treat but no one can afford to be spending that much on cheese on the regular but it was a successful day of filming i got everything that i wanted to done i got two really good interviews and the audio on them isn't great so fingers crossed a bit of sound engineering magic can fix that but i got all the shots that i wanted and did a bit of networking with people so hopefully if i do need another interview i can get back in touch with them and that was my weekend i had a good one like i say just very busy at the minute but pottering on doing what i need to do you know how it is so now we're going to go on to the leads life recommendation of the week and to be honest i actually really struggled with this one because i haven't done anything new this week i didn't have anything new to report i obviously was do like doing things but it was all one-off events so i can't really be like guys leads life recommendation go see kendrick lamar because <laughs> that's just ridiculous time has passed and also it's not an exclusively leads thing so realistically I don't have anything totally fresh to tell you this week. If you do take one thing away from my weekly rants and something that I will constantly bring up, I think I've brought it up in pretty much every single episode so far, not as an actual recommendation, but just in passing constantly, is if you are a student in Leeds, you need to go to Hyde Park Book Club. It is the best thing in the world. I mean, that's a bit of an exaggeration. And maybe I just rave about it so much because I literally live across the road from it. But... Hyde Park Book Club is not a book club as it has been misconstrued a few times when I have mentioned it in passing. It's just a little cafe slash bar kind of thing. Um, It's very, you know, typical quirky hipster indie vibes. They do honestly really nice food and they do coffee and drinks and pints. The house lager is really nice when you go there in an evening, but honestly the coffee is really nice. Because it's so close to me, I do go there quite often before uni if I 
fancy a little coffee and it's relatively cheap like i pay less than three pound for an oat milk latte which i really think is not terrible and it's good quality coffee and they have a lot of events on all the time i'm going down there this week for an event that uh, like an energy cafe event that climate crisis are holding there they have little gigs on there all the time Every time you go there, you're going to say something new. But my absolute favourite is on a Thursday, they do jazz night. And I love jazz anyway. And it's just so fun to be able to sit and chill and watch it in such a nice, cosy little environment. And then at the end, they typically have like a little improv jam session where people come up and swap out instruments and just sort of vibe together, which is not only super talented, but it's also just really fun to watch. And it's just a nice, chill vibe for a Thursday. So yeah, if you want breakfast, go to Hyde Park Book Club. If you want coffee, go to Hyde Park Book Club. If you want a pint, go to Hyde Park Book Club. If you want music, you you get the gist. It really is very multifaceted. And also, it's on the road that I've mentioned a few times that the Otley Run is on. And they have a sign outside that says, Otley Runners keep running. And I think that's really funny because it must get exhausting for them to see the Otley Runners coming past all the time. But it's in such a good location, it's just at like the top corner of Hyde Park, it's right next to Hyde Park Corner, so it's right next to Hyde Park Pub and loads of other places. And yeah, it's super cute, 10 out of 10 recommend. I actually really want to work there, just because it's it would be so convenient and also I really like the vibe that they have, the things that they stand for. It seems like a cool place. So that was a hefty ramble about my life and the things that I care about. So I thought, why not just extend that and make that the whole podcast topic? Because realistically, who doesn't like talking about themselves? I'm joking, obviously, but the topic that I am discussing today is very important to me and something that has affected me personally. And it is something that I feel really needs to get a bit more coverage, especially at the University of Leeds which you'll see why when I come to discuss it a bit more. And that is because this week's topic is the struggles of being a working class student and how it feels to be working class and be at university. Now, as we all know, I'm from Newcastle, I come from a place called South Shields, which was originally a miners town and pretty much everyone there, if not everyone there, is working class. I am very proud of my heritage and where I come from. I'm very proud of my upbringing. I love where I'm from. I love the Northeast. And to be honest, on a whole, I do love being working class. I think most of the time it has the potential to produce very hardworking, very diligent, and very well-rounded and grateful people. And that's not to say that you can't have those traits if you're not working class. I just think it's something that's gonna come a little bit more naturally inclined if you come from a background like that. Now I am working class, I always have been, but realistically, if you look at my hometown and you look at sort of the demographics of people that live there, I'm really, I don't live in poverty, I'm definitely not on the lower end of the working class spectrum, there's people that have had it a lot more difficult than me, I'm very lucky to be where I am and I've always had everything that I needed, so I really am not complaining about that, I don't want to seem ungrateful and I don't want it to seem like I'm presenting my problems to be the worst problems in the world because at the end of the day I am lucky to be where I am but that doesn't mean that they're irrelevant and I think especially because I come from somewhere so far north where everyone is working class we sometimes live in a little bit of a bubble and that's people always talk about the upper class bubble and about people who live in posh areas sort of only like live amongst themselves they don't really take into account or 
understand the working class life but I think it actually goes the same the other way because there's no one really in my area that lives an upper class life when I moved to uni I was genuinely shocked because I had never met people like that before it's not like London where there's people who are extremely working class living sort of alongside higher class people maybe even going to the same schools it wasn't like that it's literally just people from the same sort of class so I had never really interacted with anyone who was you know the the raw girl the daddy's money boy I'd never met anyone like that so I suppose in my head I'd kind of thought that they were a bit of an exaggeration I thought it was some sort of like a bit of a myth purely because I never encountered it which is really naive but then I came to uni and I was like oh my god like this is a legit thing How, how are these people real and I think especially in the Russell Group unis or any uni that's in a major city there is a huge issue with classism and there's a major working class to I don't I don't know where I put the middle class because I think it's becoming less and less of a thing but there is definitely a huge class divide especially in the more elite unis and that is because a lot of the time these class groups have never had to interact with each other before and ultimately they don't know how to deal with each other's lives but there is no denying that there is definitely a power dynamic difference so if I don't understand a higher classes person's lifestyle realistically that's not going to cause any harm I'm just going to be like wow didn't know people were that rich okay that's not really going to be anything that's insulting demeaning it's not going to be anything that limits them in any way whereas the other way around it is definitely that so if there is someone who's from somewhere posh somewhere like you know your Surrey's your Staffordshire's those kind of places they and if they don't understand what it's like to be working class they've never had to interact with someone who's working class then they are a lot more likely to be rude to be to not understand to kind of think the better than you you know what i'm trying to say and i'm not generalizing i'm not saying all upper class students are like this but anyone who's ever stepped foot in a russell uni particularly uni of leeds will know that this is actually a genuine problem and Leeds is kind of known for being a place where a lot of southerners flock to so it's especially a problem here. So today I'm just talking about some of the issues and some of the barriers working class people might face when it comes to getting into, moving to and actually existing at university, especially a prestigious one, just to sort of make people more aware of what it is like on the other side of the coin. So first of all, let's start on the first page of the book let's start where it all begins actually getting into uni like applying and getting a place and getting the grades to go to uni that is significantly harder for someone who comes from a working class background we live in places where most of the time there's actually no access to private or grammar schools because there isn't one in the area but even if there was we could not afford to go to a private or a grammar school to get this I'm putting in quotation marks elite education because I think there's issues with private schooling in itself but that's a whole nother topic whether they want to admit it or not there is inherent bias within unis and how they choose applicants and there has been proof year after year that 
unis do favour people who come from more affluent backgrounds and that you are more likely to get a place or even get an offer at uni if you come from a so-called affluent area. I know in 2019, more than half the universities in England had less than 5% working class white students in their intakes. And the stats, I don't know the most recent stat, but it, it hasn't changed that much. There's not a huge drastic difference. But let's say regardless, someone applies to uni who's from a working class background, they get a place and they secure the place and they're like, they're absolutely buzzing. They're like, get in, I can finally go and pursue my dreams. The problems don't stop there. So the next issue that we face is that moving costs money. Moving to uni costs money. And I'm specifically talking here about if you want to move away, I'll cover staying at home in a moment. So say you want to move away to uni. I moved, obviously, to Leeds. You have to find accommodation. And while most of the time student loan will cover the cost of accommodation, nine times out of ten you do actually have to pay a deposit before you even move to the accommodation and before you get your loan and pay the rent so for me it was something like 300 pound that i had to pay in july time the summer before that i moved to uni that's 300 pound while you're still living at home you know you haven't even got your results yet actually and before student loans have dropped at all that is money that a lot of working class families would not be able to magically pull out from under the rug. It's not viable. And that's literally just securing the accommodation. There's also then travelling to the uni of choice. A lot of working class families don't have access to a car, but even if they did, it's, you know, it's petrol costs. If you want to move to uni on the train, it's train costs, which at the minute are absolutely extortionate. And then there's all the other costs associated with moving, like buying bedding, buying utensils, buying anything that you need. I know certain courses require you to actually buy things for your course. One of my friends does English in last year. She had to spend so much money on books before the course even started. And this is money that everyone has to spend. It's not something that's just targeted at working class people. But this is what I'm saying where working class people are totally excluded before they even began because a lot of families would simply not be able to magic up that money. Not to mention, working class families often have a lot more of a reliance on each other to sort of help around the house. So if you're particularly an older sibling, you might fall under a lot of childcare responsibilities to help your working parent. This will make it significantly more difficult for you to just uproot your whole life, move to another place and leave your parent essentially with no childcare because they can't afford private childcare. And then if you decide to go to a uni at home so that you can still, you know, do your tasks around the house and not have to pay to move, there's that issue of having to commute a lot of the time, which again costs money, and also just generally not being able to commit as much time to the course as you want to. But again, let's just say we conquer all odds. We get to our uni of choice, we've moved in, we're settled, we've paid everything we need to. We've got student loan now, but that's going on rent. In working class families, there's no, you know, my dad pays for my rent so I can use my student loan, which I honestly could not believe how many people get. That was a real shock to me when I came to uni, the amount of people whose parents pay for the rent, which for anyone that doesn't know, student rent is thousands upon thousands of pounds a year. We're talking, I'd say minimum five, but it goes anywhere up to 10 to 12 if you're going more down south. So you've got your student loan, but it's all gone 
on your rent or most of it's gone on your rent and by the time you've bought all the things that you need you know repaid back the money that you've probably had to borrow for the deposit there's really not much student loan left over so we do what working class people do and we work we get a job and more than half the students in the uk have a part-time job but the average hours that a lot of the students work is like seven hours and anyone who's working class and goes to uni and has had a part-time job will know that if you are working class you will not get away with working seven hours a week and somehow manage to sustain yourself on that there's absolutely no chance I mean it depends what you spend the money on I have a car so I pay for my car so I work a little bit more but I work 20 to 24 hours a week Last year I was doing 12 without my car and that was like just about enough. So working class people often have to take on more hours and work more than other students who have jobs and then that in itself presents its own problems. It affects the students socially, there's less time to socialise, to go to socials, to just relax. It affects you academically because a lot of the time you're burnt out from working or you're working too late to do your assignment and you can't really commit your heart and your mind power onto your course and what you're trying to do because you're so all consumed with having to go to work. And there's also no time to really do any of the networking which is so important in uni these days. Everyone always says, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know, and that is very true. Um, But as a working class student, if you're working 20 hours a week, you have a full-time uni course, you're somehow trying to find time to also go food shopping, go to the gym, feed yourself, shower, do some homework. When the hell are you supposed to find time to go to these networking events, these graduate events? There's no time for you to do placement on the side. There's no time for you to be interning. I I remember in first year I had a conversation with one of my tutors and I was talking about wanting to get more experience in the industry and wanting to break into the industry and she was like oh you should look into maybe doing some interning and I was like oh yeah that sounds really cool I'm really interested and she was talking about a bit more and she was like you know you'll probably start off doing two days a week unpaid and instantly I I just had to be like I'm I'm sorry I, I can't do that and it wasn't a case of I don't want to work for free or anything because if that was my passion and if that's what I want to do of course I would work for free I have no issue with doing that but I physically do not have the time in my schedule to have two full days free to work for no money I cannot drop hours at work and drop shifts at work to get some experience in the industry for absolutely zero pay because there's no point me getting experience into the industry if I'm not going to ever get into the industry because I'm going to starve before then. (laughs) And that's what a lot of people don't get, being from a lower income or being someone who's just working class in general. It doesn't always mean that you just have not as much money. It also means you have not as much time and it really can limit the things that you're able to invest in yourself. And for me, uni does come first and my education does come first, but it can definitely cause some added stress when I have to balance that with my part-time work. I know, I don't know whether it's just my course, but my uni and my course have a really bad habit of changing the time of things last minute. So I'll get an email on Tuesday or Wednesday saying, oh, your practical that's supposed to be on Friday morning is now actually on Thursday afternoon, or it's now on Friday afternoon. And that just totally throws me out of whack because I've taught work that I'm free at this time so I've got a shift at this time and then all of a sudden I'm not free at that time and when it's such short notice it's anyone who's had a job will know it's really difficult to get that swapped or to get that changed. 
and as much as I don't really care about my part-time job it's not what I want to do in the long run it's not I'm not emotionally invested in it I do still need it like I can't just be quitting to go do some industry work or I can't just be not showing up to shifts because my plans have changed last minute because that is how you get fired (laughs) and I physically could not be here if I got fired from my job I'd have to find another one literally ASAP and I think that's another thing that more wealthy students don't understand like when we say that we've got no money or when we say that we can't do it until we get paid or we're in overdraft and whatever else that literally means we've got no money that literally means we can't afford it I had so many people in my accommodation last year that would be like oh my god like I'm so much into my overdraft I'm so broke I have no money but then they could ring their dad and say dad I need 500 pound and it would be in their account in a couple of seconds like not even for a reason if I like I don't know like touch wood not gonna happen but if I had a car crash or something or if I had an accident or if I fell into an emergency where I really needed money I'm sure my parents would do whatever they could to try and help me out financially even though it would obviously be a strain on them but I could not just ring my dad for the crack and be like hi I'm going on a night out tonight I don't have any money can you like send us 50 quid he'd be like Reese Drogan <laughs> go pick up a shift get a life if I genuinely fall on hard times at any point in my degree, I'm sure my parents will help me as much as they can, but realistically, that's not going to be anywhere near the breadth or depth that people from the wealthier families can. Yeah, fair enough, you've maxed out your overdraft, but if your dad can pay that off whenever you ask him to, have you really maxed out your overdraft? I know a few wealthier students who still work, or maybe they do like one shift a week, and it's like, for them, it's literally just pocket money, like it's just if they want to go to a rave or if they're saving up to go to Creamfields or something. But for me, it's like, I'm going to work to pay my bills for my uni house, to pay for my car payment, to pay for petrol, to pay for my gym membership. It's not fun money. I have a little bit of fun money, but it's like, literally to put food on the table. And there's just no real consideration for that from other students or from the teaching facilities at the uni, I don't think. Like, I've just filled out my study abroad form. It's finally submitted, by the way. forgot to mention in the life update. It's submitted. Fingers crossed. I get approved but yes I sent off that the other day and part of the application is submitting a budgeting plan just kind of to prove that you have the funds to actually do a year abroad and you're not technically supposed to include any grants bursaries loans that you're going to be entitled to they say it's because it's not definite I'm putting that in quotation marks but I just kind of looked at that and I thought well how the hell do you think I've been affording to be here for the past two years like I I didn't have proof that I had money to pay for my rent in first year until I got my student loan it that's how it works that's how student life works but there is some sort of silver lining things that come out of it and there is some support that comes from the uni that I really can't complain about I'm not ashamed to say that I'm part of the plus program the plus program run access to leads which I used on my application when I was applying to, for undergrad here um, and what access to leads does is if you meet two of their criteria it actually reduces the entry requirements to get into leads. I actually didn't end up needing it, I got the grades that I needed to get in without access to leads, I didn't need the reduction but it was still a really good thing to have because like I say it is significantly harder for people from my sort of background to get to leads in the first place. 
but because I applied for access to Leeds that means I'm now part of the PLUS programme for the rest of my career at Leeds and the criteria to be part of the PLUS programme it's very wide and I don't meet all of them but you have to meet at least two and the two that I met was that I'm from an area of low participation in higher education which generally just means I'm from a working class area where not a lot of people go to uni and I'm also the first person in my immediate family to go to uni in fact I think I'm the first person in my family to go to uni actually and that was the two criteria that I meet other criteria is if your household income is under a certain amount if you have um, some sort of disability if you're a young carer there's loads of different things and being part of the PLUS programme can sometimes mean that you get extra bursaries and grants. It's not the case for me, but it does happen. And they also just have a lot of opportunities and helpful leg-ups to try and give people a hand that don't have those things just handed to them. But yeah, there is help out there. It's not the best it could be, but it's also not the worst. And I do respect the faculty for at least trying I think it's something that can't be said for a lot of other universities and this is something that I'm really passionate about and I do have a lot of other points to make on the subject it really is something that I could talk about for hours so I might end up making a few blog posts about it as well it's something that I've wanted to make a podcast episode about for a while but sometimes I find it hard to articulate everything and really condense it without getting too emotionally invested because it is frustrating and I just want people to be a bit more considerate and understanding because the way I think of it, like I say I am working class but I'm not on the lower end of working class, I'm not someone who's ever really struggled with poverty so if I have these issues and if I genuinely find it really difficult I dread to think what it's like for those people and I think it's really sad that not everyone gets the chance to experience uni because it's an incredible experience I know not everyone wants to but I just find it really upsetting that there's people out there that would really excel and be such an asset to a university team and they don't get that opportunity just because of where they grew up so if you take anything away from this episode I guess it's just to have a bit more empathy and to really try and reach out and broaden your mind to think of what other people may be going through and to understand why some degree paths are just completely different to others but if you are working class and you've made it to uni I'm really really proud of you and don't let all of the posh ignorant people get in your way I'm hopeful that the future brings some positive influence into the university scene and that eventually higher education will be significantly more accessible for people UK wide but I'm gonna leave it there because I don't want to chew people's ear off for too long and I do like to try and keep your attention span as much as I possibly can that has been episode four of Resound Record and I would absolutely love to hear what you have to say about the topics that have been raised please do continue checking out the Instagram and the blog I appreciate every view on the website I appreciate every like on Instagram and every listen to the podcast Thank you all very much for listening and I hope you have an absolutely lovely week. Bye.